me to fill my authority with oil, Lord, is Samuel's argument. Are you telling me to do that? I'm five quarts low. I don't even want to go to the local Jiffy Lube. I don't want to do it. Sometimes we as Christians are like, man, we don't want to do this, but you know what? Those are the most blessed times. It's kind of like a workout. You may not want to work out, but when you do work out, you're like, man, I'm so glad I did that. I feel so much better about myself. There, there's a ton of reasons possibly not to go. God does not want complacent, idle followers. To follow requires that we get up off our couches, out of our places of comfort, and go to the places that Jesus is going. There certainly is a time and place for resting in God, but that should be only a part of our spiritual walk and not the whole thing. As Pastor Mark continues to lead us through our study of 1 Samuel, we are reminded that we need to get up and seek God's will. As we get out there and do the things he calls us to do, loving others with the grace that he has extended to us, we will find fulfillment and joy that can't be found elsewhere. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 with today's edition of Come Alive. If anybody's ever seen that re- those reality shows, I've seen the YouTube versions and, and just quick bits of them like uh, Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, American Idol, things like that. I read that American Idol is the, was a series that was described by a rival TV executive as the most impactful show in the history of television. It's become recognized springboard for launching careers of many artists. And so today, you know, we have to think that Judah's got talent as well here. And the way you and I look at talent, you know, there are those times when, when the audience, audience votes, you know, and people vote and say, hey, you know, this guy's the best or whatever. But we see the singers and the actors and the dancers. We see their skill and we see the flesh and we choose them based off their talents. Some become stars and some are, well, they're swept away. And some of those people with their talents can sway the opinions of others. And so we tend to really like those who are talented, attractive people, those who seem to be the ones with the most heartache, you know, and and the most drive to, to make it to the top. But thankfully, that's not how God chooses. We see something completely different today in the scriptures, the difference between one king and another king. And he actually does it a little different than we do. God actually shapes those whom he chooses. And so when God wants to build a man, when he wants to make a, a, a person, a Christian, whether a man or a woman, but when he wants to build a man, to, as today's Father's Day, we're going to talk about guys, God looks for a little bit kind of a different timber. He, he doesn't look for maybe that hardwood or that softwood. He chooses the timber himself. He chooses those things that the world sees as foolish and powerless, the things that are despised of the world. He'll choose those things to get the glory, to exalt himself. Just like 10 shaky, scared, nervous people went out yesterday trusting in the Lord to, to show up before them to do a mighty, powerful work, and he did. 
and they went and they got to see the Lord work. It wasn't watching themselves work or watching somebody else work. You didn't hear anyone saying, and man, you should have seen Frank lay it out. I mean, he had like 15-point bulletin. and No, he didn't. It was the Lord that did the work. It wasn't Frank. It wasn't Lydia. It wasn't David. It wasn't John. It wasn't Mark, Chip, Mike, Christina, or little Mikey. It was the Lord that was at work. And so he's going to use that type of person. If they're given over to the Holy Spirit, they get a new heart. We get a new heart. They become a new creation and far from perfect, yet hungry for God and the things of God. So the search for God's talent is on, as we will see today. This is a critical time and moment for Samuel. Uh, We may ask, why would Samuel be so bummed out? As you read verse 1, Saul blew it more than once, I'm sure, over the years. Samuel had spent hours praying for Saul. If any of you know what it's like to pray for a friend or a loved one, and then all of a sudden to just always be left disappointed and saddened by the bad choices and actions that they make. Look at verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So it's a very sad and it's a very depressing time for Samuel. I've had this happen and you just can't figure it out. And you witness God just shelving a person. You know, you, you see the Lord just take somebody that he used to use a lot, that was powerful, that walked in his ways, that had Bible studies, that read his Bible, that hung out with you. You prayed together and all of a sudden, uh, a few years go by, you haven't been in contact with them, or maybe you do. And you start to see this person just kind of fall away. They used to be here all the time and they're not here as much. And then a little less, and then a little less, and then all of a sudden it's like, man, where are they at? And it's the Lord, it just picks them up. And though sometimes they come back, they're sitting on a shelf. And so in, in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, verse 1, we see that Saul is bummed out, or Samuel is a little bummed out. And God says, how long are you going to mourn? So what does God want when he says that? Well, God tells Samuel that it's time to move on, time to quit crying, because God wants us to take that next step. And that next step will determine the next step. And that step will determine the following step and the next one and the others to follow. So every step you take will determine. If you go right and you continue to walk right, you you will hit a different building than you will if you go left and walk left and take steps to the left. So each step determines your direction, what your next step will be, what your next move is going to take place. And so whenever we have the opportunity to go, to go out and we tend to stay, well, here's what happens. Staying becomes a lot easier. It's easy to tell the Lord no sometimes after the second time. The first time it's like a little tough, like, oh, well, Lord, you know, and you wrestle with it and you feel bad that you're like, no, Lord, I don't want to do it. But the second time you say no, well, that's a little easier. And then the third time, even easier. And then the fourth time. And then eventually you wonder, well, the Lord's not even asking me to go anymore. And so maybe God has knocked on your heart and said, hey, here's what I want you to do. Go, go out with these guys from Love Out Loud or go on a, on a, a, be on mission. Be intentional about where you go today and talk to someone. See, we, like we talked last week, we talk about mission trips and we think it's other Christians over there, but it's not. It, that's not. Jesus says, as we talked last week as well, I'm sending you as my Father has sent me. As God has sent me, I am sending you. And so it's not... Uh, anywhere different. He's like, hey, he sent me here, and where you're at is where I'm sending you, so go. And it's, it's a past tense type of a phrase. And so 
once we say no when God speaks, it does become easier the next time when God speaks again. So you may hear an announcement for service in some area here in the church, and because you've said no, the next time you hear that announcement, you begin to think, well, that's, that's really not for me, you know, it's, it's not up my alley. And then the next time, you know, why well, I, I really can't be involved because, well, I just got to get ready for tomorrow. And, it, man, you don't know my weeks. And then the next time, well, I definitely know it's not for me. And here you stay, and there you will sit. So you're not moving forward. You're, you're not really moving backwards, but you're not moving forward. When you're not moving backwards or forward, you're just staying. You're not moving at all. And so just kind of here in your, all your reasons, your explanation and excuses as to why you need to stay and why you can't go, well, here's the same thing that's happening. Samuel, why are you staying here? Oh, well, God, I thought Saul would do better, and he didn't. He was a disappointment the whole way through. I mean, it looked good in certain points, and then, man, he would just blow it in other points. And I'm kind of bummed. He, he was a good-looking guy, and he really disappointed me, Lord, and I'm sad it didn't go like I thought it would go. Anybody ever been there? Man, I, I thought it would be better. I thought when I, I signed up for a Bible study like that, it'd just be a lot better, but it just didn't go the way I thought. And so, you know, I'm just going to... I'm going to stay. I'm going to sit. God says, come on, Sam, get out of your room. Let's go. And then as much as staying becomes easier, if you start going, going becomes easier. It's back to that bodies in motion, stay in motion theory. Well, bodies that just sit and rest, it's easy to just keep that body sitting and resting. And so God tells Samuel to take his horn. And the horn here speaks of authority, power. So take your horn and fill it with oil. And the oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. And here's the implication. God has given you the authority to walk in. He's given you some power and the authority to walk in as a Christian because it tells us in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is in us. And so here we see this, that this, this type here of this horn and the oil. And so, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you have incredible authority as a Christian. Because you got the knowledge of God's word and you can take a step in the right direction at the right time. But not only his authority, but you have his spirit. So not only do you have his walking papers where he says, here, I command you to go. But you have his Holy Spirit who gives you the power to go. And his spirit is leading you to places where he wants you to employ his authority to accomplish that next step. It's important for us to realize and understand that. He speaks this to you today and telling some of you, dads, men, and oh yes, ladies as well. That you're trying to say why you can't when he's saying, this is, I'm, I'm, try, I'm the one trying to push you forward, telling you you can't. You just have to trust. You might be like, whoa, 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 wait. I don't know where. I don't know how. But that's okay. That's how God works. Look at verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Basically what Samuel does here, he's like, oh man, no, I can't do this. This would be the death of me. Anybody ever say that? It'll kill me. If I do that, it's going to kill me. I can't do one more thing. It'll kill me. Well, you're telling me to fill my authority with oil, Lord? This is Samuel's argument. Are you telling me to do that? I'm five quarts low. I don't even want to go to the local Jiffy Lube. I don't want to do it. Sometimes we as Christians are like, man, we don't want to do this, but... You know what? Those are the most blessed times. It's kind of like a workout. You may not want to work out, but when you do work out, you're like, man, I'm so glad I did that. 
I feel so much better about myself. There, there's a ton of reasons possibly not to go. See, why is Samuel so afraid of Saul hearing about him going? Well, Saul was a paranoid. He, he, was, he was paranoid, and he had spies all over, and especially Samuel was thinking, well, this guy, he's not going to respond very well, Lord, if I go out there and anoint someone else king because he's still on the throne. At least if you could just take him out for me. It make life a lot easier. But sometimes, you know, I don't think God wants life to be easy for us because what do we get out of it if we're always handed something, always given what we want? You ever gone to those extremes or had those kind of thoughts? Well, if I share my faith with them, they're going to reject me as a friend or I won't be a good coworker with them. I may even get fired. That would be a sacrifice if that happens. Lord, that would be a huge sacrifice. Exactly. Exactly. That's what God's asking for is a sacrifice. Remember, if it costs you nothing, it's not a sacrifice. So what if you shared your faith with someone and that person got saved and your boss comes and says, hey, here's your walking paper. And you're like, oh, man, I knew. Lord, I knew I shouldn't have done this. Is it all about you or is it all about God? Can we reason that to be, well, I was a bad witness. Really? Somebody got saved? You're a bad witness? You're a bad witness when you blow it and you blow it over and over and your boss is constantly, I always tell people, you know what, I've never known anyone where their boss was just like, man, I just feel like firing them. You usually get yourself fired. You usually lose your job because of something you didn't do. Now, every now and then there's probably five or 10% of that where it is the boss's fault. He just woke up on the wrong side of the trailer that morning or something. You know, you don't know. But sometimes we might be like, I'd rather die than do this thing. Really? Good. That's what God says. Cool, because I've asked you to die to yourself. So no longer can self lead you. I want you alive in the spirit so the spirit can lead you. And sometimes that's important for us to hear as Christians is that, yeah, you know what? You do need to die. You need to die to yourself. How many sacrifices are needing to be offered or required here in this passage when we look at this? If you really think about it, there's only two. The heifer is a sacrifice and the sacrifice of an obedient heart. Two sacrifices is what Samuel's supposed to take with him. So what do you and I really have to offer the Lord except an obedient heart? What do we really have? You think about it, nothing. Well, what, well what, I got a big house. No, nothing. Everything we have belongs to him. Well, we can offer our life as a sacrifice, but everything we have still belongs to the Lord. Look at verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? So now the elders are freaked out. First it was Samuel, now the elders are scared when Samuel shows up. This verse is worthy highlighting. So highlight it in your Bible. Underline it, write or circle something around it, but make sure you, you circle it or highlight it. Here's how... Jesus said it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't love me, don't obey them. Don't do them. Don't, don't do it. Remember when Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Can that be said of any of us today? We call, we sit in prayer, Lord. And sometimes I, I often wonder, like, Lord, just speak to me. If I'm calling you Lord and I haven't done what you've asked me to do, then let me know. Bring that thing to the top of my heart so I can deal with it quickly and keep that short account. See, Samuel is actually now treating God like God. He, he doesn't want to go. He's got some fear, but God's like, that's okay. I'm with you. Just take the sacrifice. Be obedient. And again, we see a freak out. Why would the elders tremble? Well, because Samuel may be recruiting for a resistance. 
Uh, that's what they see is Saul is up there. They know that Samuel and Saul aren't really digging each other right now. Though Samuel really loves Saul, uh, he obviously does because we see in verse 1 he mourned for him being taken off the throne. It wasn't because he was sad and scared that Saul was going to kill him. He was literally bummed out. So they, they're thinking that, wow, you know what? Samuel's got a job to do. And he's a man of God, and he obeys God. And there's probably going to be this thing where Samuel's got to take him out. That's probably what they were thinking. I don't know for sure. But the case is, if, if Samuel shows up, and he starts talking to us, the spies that Saul has in all these little towns all around, they're going to see, the spies that are in our town are going to see us talking to him. And we're going to be in some big trouble. Look at verse 5. And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So there are some things we should not miss. God has told, hasn't told Samuel the whole story, right? He just tells him, get up, grab a heifer, and, and go and sacrifice. Because you're going to go to Jesse. So he tells him a little bit. So he told him one thing, but he withheld from him other things. And so God did not tell him which one to anoint. And you have to wonder why it wasn't just told to Samuel which son to oil up. I mean, why? What's the big deal? Well, number one, God loves talking to us. So part of not getting all that info up front is by us getting a little today. And then we get some tomorrow and a bit the next day. And it requires us to communicate with him. Uh, the Lord may, I mean, think about with Abraham. It's just his normal, his MO. Abraham, go. He didn't tell him where to go. He just told him to go. Pack up and leave. And so sometimes he doesn't tell us where to go. He doesn't point it out. Here he actually told Samuel where to go. But he didn't tell him who to anoint. And so he knows if he told you the whole thing, there would be very little communication. And so God had told Samuel that he had seen a king among the sons of Jesse. And so Samuel sees Eliab. And he looks at him the way people looked at Saul. Right? Remember, all the people looked at Saul, they saw a tall, good-looking guy, and like, oh, man, we want him for king. He stands head and shoulders above the rest. And so here's Samuel, he falls into that same thing, and it's sometimes hard to beat doing what the flesh wants to do. In life, we often judge how someone looks, how much experience they have, how great they talk, or how they carry themselves. But God sees through all of that, and he really looks just at the heart. And again, it goes back to using those foolish things of the world. It seems that Jesse's sons were a picture of perfection because seven times these guys walk in front of Samuel and they're all rejected. None of them are chosen. And so we need to understand that the perfection of the flesh is always rejected in heaven. The perfection of the flesh is rejected in heaven. You can reject that and still be a good leader in Christian work. You can, re you can reject what God tells you. Saul did. He was a great leader up to a point. He, he wasn't a great leader in God's eyes, but there's a lot of people who do Christian work and they're not a godly leader. They just do the work. They're not directed by the Lord. They're not chosen. And so sometimes God allows that to happen for whatever reason. And if Samuel was left to himself, even as holy and pure and righteous as he was, he still would have made a bad decision if it not for God. 
Think about it. The first guy that walks in front of him, he's like, that's him. But what's God say? I've rejected him. If God can see the end from the beginning, then he knew that this guy, Eliab, wasn't going to be any better than Saul. This guy probably was a pride monger. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you why I think all these guys were rejected in a second. See, if we have been in, in chapter 9, verse 2, it, it happened all over again. God can search the heart of a person and know what their motives really are. The phrase, I have refused him, actually saves Israel. Think about that. By refusing this one guy, he is saving Israel from, from destruction down the road because of this guy's kingship, because of this guy's disobedience, most likely. If God sees the end from the beginning, then he knew this guy would have been another Saul situation. And so look at verse 8, and we'll continue there. It says, So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen, chosen any of these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the, young men, all the young men here? Now, seven of these sons passed by. Seven chances for a king to come out of your family. Jesse must have felt like the lowest dad on earth. His wife was probably like, where did we go wrong, Jesse? Seven sons, and the Lord hadn't chosen any of them. What have we done? Oh, what a bad mom and dad we are. All seven choices seem to be the best that was offered physically and by the flesh. So Samuel is told to stay there, and he then questions, Jesse, I just got one more question. Do you got another son? And then all of a sudden, look what he says. There remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Jesse probably actually said, well, yeah, Samuel, we got this one. <laughs> he ain't king material. He's socially awkward. I mean, for Pete's sake, he hangs out with sheep all day. And he's just out there and he plays his little harp and looking up to the sky. I mean, his heads are in the cloud. So you don't want him. And so Samuel says, bro, we ain't eating until we get to see this guy. We're not going to slaughter this thing until the youngest comes. And you know what's even crazier? Jesse doesn't even tell him the guy's name. He doesn't say, my son, David. You don't find out David's name until verse 13. If you've never read the Bible before, you'd be like, well, what's his name? Because Eliab came, and this other one came, and they named him. But what about this one? And so, the least of them. And so, the one that needs to be chosen, well, it's not up to you. It's not up to you, Jesse. It's up to the Lord. Thank you for tuning in again today to Come Alive. Pastor Mark will have much more to teach us from this study of 1 Samuel when you join us next time. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mark, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Come Alive in your app store or on iTunes. Before our time is through with you today, though, Tracy would like to tell you how you can be a part of the ministry of Come Alive. Come Alive and radio programs like it are powerful tools that God is using to advance His gospel message here on earth. And we know that God is blessing many through the ministry of this broadcast. We want to make sure we keep God at the center of what we're doing, and that's where you come in. 
Would you keep Come Alive, Pastor Mark, and those who have heard this program today in your prayers? Your intercession on our behalf is greatly appreciated. Thanks, Tracy. Another way you can be involved is through financial support. Here at Come Alive, we rely on the kindness of donations to be able to provide you with quality produced programs. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating and want you to know that any amount is useful and greatly appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katy at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord and thank you for being a part of our listening audience today on Come Alive.